Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Hello to everyone except DJ, who told us that he would skip today based on a theme that we'll be getting into a little later here on the second day of August. Great to have you with us on Sabres Live here on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. Marty, we are, we are down to one when it comes to arbitration Yes. Hearings and potential awards as the arbiters docket has been cleared of all four potential Friday hearings. And there is but one. And it's today. And we suspect that Troy Terry will be entering into that very soon if he hasn't already. What a tough job, right? So, number one, um, I mean, your family, your kids, your significant other must be really upset with you. When you are being asked, hey, do you have uh, anything going on Friday? No, I got uh, two arbitration uh, hearing I got to go to. Oh, we were going to go to dinner with uh, Jack and uh, Sylvia and all of that. Oh, I can't do it. And then your arbitration, they get they get canceled because they get settled. So how hard is that for family life when all your arbitration hearings get washed out and you got nothing to do it's a win tough a job marty it doesn't go the reverse (laughs) way the only good that can come of this is that your schedule gets cleared so it's a bonus i know i'm being sarcastic (laughs) i'm just saying like i want to be an arbiter i want to be an arbitrator arbiter i want to i want to schedule my week have monday i have this tuesday i have that and then two days before 48 hours before it all gets washed off and you don't have to do anything would you wear a Mickey Mouse t-shirt to an arbitration yeah, hearing because arbitration is like Mickey Mouse. It's like uh, it? a Mickey Mouse situation. Yes. So, uh, but I do like my Mickey Mouse t-shirt that I have on right now. I'm saying that because I feel like I'm in a bit of a Mickey Mouse makeshift studio right now. And you asked me before <laughs> you the borrowed show, mine. <laughs> I know I borrowed yours from yesterday. You asked me before the show, if I had thought of an anthem traveling East yesterday and tomorrow I'm traveling North. Uh, and as I was just getting ready and saw the Sabres live graphics come on, I'm like, what about on the road again? I just can't wait to be, that's our anthem for this summer, Duffer, because that's uh, been uh, what we've been doing. So you and I are now openly lobbying to get on the road for more Sabres games this year and by extension, get to more and more road crew parties oh, this yes. year. Is that what you're saying, basically? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, did we ever have a road crew party in Boston? Uh, I believe, yes. 
We did. Okay, I wasn't there. I know I did like Vegas a couple of times, Carolina, Washington. I did, um, but I did not do Boston. So mm-hmm. that would be I. I would love to set up a road crew party in enemy territory in Boston and just like have Sabres fans come out from everywhere. Well, the two alumni that I would want present would be Danny Gare and Thomas Vanek, uh, because both seem to just elevate their games when it came to matchups with the Boston Bruins. So we'll get to that later, because here in this month of August, we are doing uh, memories, if you will, of Sabre matchups versus specific franchises listed alphabetically through the NHL. And we'll do it through the course of the month and, and, and not just the typical moments that we all know and sometimes hate. Uh, we're yesterday, Marty, I think, uh, delivered beyond expectation with some of the stories that he told behind the scenes with some of the matchups over the years. So we'll dive into that, but with arbitration right now, Marty, um, the biggest one that happened after we were off the air yesterday, but was, uh, I would say, of primary concern for you when yes. the list of 24 players and their respective teams were filed as potential arbitration cases. The one that you got stuck on was Jeremy Swayman. You really wanted to see how this played out. Now that all the goaltenders who were lined up for arbitration have had theirs settled or agreed upon without hearing, what do you make of Swayman at one year, 3.475 for, appropriately on this day, the Bruins? Yeah, I find that's very low. And obviously, I understand why the number came in at that. We had a discussion last week with Shana Goldman as to who was going to make more money, Gustafson, Samsonov, or Swayman. And Duffer, you won. Uh, Philip Gustafson is making more uh, this year out of all three of them because he settled out of arbitration. Samsonov went to arbitration. He's the number one goaltender in Toronto. He got 3.55. And Swayman, really, his argument was being squashed. As soon as Samsonov got his award, I think Jeremy Swayman knew he was going to be below that. Why? Because he's the backup to Lena Solmark. And Lena Solmark is making $5 million. Boston doesn't have a ton of cap room. So they couldn't really sign Swayman to a long-term deal or uh, an out-of-arbitration uh, type deal. So they knew they were going to be at 3.5 to a little bit lower than that. And which is exactly where it came at. So I think it was expected, but it is low. And I think arbitrations have been really team friendly this year, like especially when it comes to Samsonov and Swayman. So um, I also think the first thing I thought when I saw the award was failure on the part of the agent. This was a, a, a situation with Swayman and Boston that should have gathered more of a offer sheet type of uh of traction like there's there's look there's a hell of a book out there that wants to be traded and signing to a new deal but he wants nine plus million dollars and there's john gibson that already makes over six and is older i think jeremy swayman was the guy was the guy for the nhl to say hey here's a potential future and probably now number one goaltender young and could be had at about four and a half million dollars that to me was the failure probably cost his client a million this year, maybe more down the road. Well, as you sit, as we sit with uh, the potential of Troy Terry being the last one to go and potentially getting an award, our kind of running joke heading into this was, hey, here's the list of people that are eligible for arbitration or are filing for arbitration, pardon me, and don't worry about it because none of them are really going to go through the process. So (laughs) I ask you this. With three of them in the books already, awards, that is, Kurashev, 
Samsonov, Wayman. Does this feel like a busier than usual award season? Um, well, I think last year there was only one. So, but I would say it's uh, not as busy as what we've seen in the past. I think I remember always seeing five, six, seven arbitration cases go to arbitration to in front of the arbiter. So um, I'm saying it's probably on the low side. Let me give you the most recent history. So right now, if Terry avoids awaiting an award from the arbitrator, 13% of the cases that were filed this year, which okay, would be percentage. three of 24, uh, yeah. you know, would, would have happened. Last year, one award, 26 filings. The yes. year before, zero from 19. The year before, one from 25. That was Tyler Bertuzzi. In 2019, there were 40 cases and six awards. Grimaldi, Anton okay. Forsberg, Joel Edmondson, Erod, Christian Juice, and Andrew Kopp. The year before, there were 44 cases, but only wow. three, three awards, Truba, CC, and Kulak. The year before that, 30 cases with one award. And in 2016, 25 cases, no awards. So we actually okay, are we're seeing, we're seeing more than what we've typically seen in the last eight years. So so at in, in the scope of that time, there'd been 233 filings. And only 15 awards, which is 6%. So we wow. are seeing a little uptick this year. And of course, it goes a notch higher if Troy Terry goes through the process. It was interesting, though. There was one, one wrinkle in all of those that I just referred to that was that was unique. In 2016, Tyson Berry and the Avs went through the hearing. But then... They came together on a multi-year deal before the verdict. Yeah. So <laughs> talk about just trying to figure things out and going. To I think that's also the one difference between like baseball and hockey arbitration is in baseball. As soon as you go in, you are like, you're bound by what you're the arbitrator is going to do. Yeah. You cannot settle after the hearing. And in hockey, you have until the arbit arbitrator arbiter comes out and gives you the award. Mm -hmm. So there's again, like there's a, there's an arbiter somewhere that says, oh, I got to work Thursday. That arbitration case is going forward. And then listens to all the argument, puts in all the work. And just as he's ready to send the email, realizes, oh, they settled before I could put my uh, my my best work forward. So uh, that's the job I want. I want to be an arbiter. Well, Drew O'Connor signed with the Penguins. Ryan McLeod got his deal done with the Oilers. It was a two-year deal, 2.1 per. So that was pretty significant for the Oilers. Yep. Um, they're still going to be up against it. Happy birthday, Evander Kane, by the way, uh, as he headlines on that front this afternoon. But um, overall, it's still pretty quiet. There's 16 restricted free agents still floating about out there. Troy Terry getting his case settled eventually here. We'll reduce that number to 15. And in the days ahead, we're going to talk more about some of those, especially with Shana on Friday, I think. Just, you know, how that landscape will look for that low number of restricted free agents remaining. But there's prominent names within that that could still grab pretty significant pieces of their team's respective pies. Zegris, Evan Bouchard, to name just a couple, right? So, but it's quiet here. Doesn't it feel that way? It just feels really 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 quiet um in saberland and and across the board at this point in time 
It feels really I, quiet. And maybe, so and maybe it was so. set at the draft. Maybe it was set at the draft. You know, we got no trades at the draft this year of any yeah. magnitude. And, and it's just kind of been like that. No, it's been like that. It's been so quiet and so much so that I got hit on Twitter yesterday. And I don't remember who asked me. There was a report somewhere from these these, you know, secondary website and people that are looking for rumors and put stuff out there. And they were saying that Patrick Kane wanted to come to Buffalo and they said any truth to that. So because it's so quiet, I decided to like look into this site, this website and this Twitter account to see if they had come up with any good information and any breaking news over the last little bit. And the reason why I'm thinking of that is because of Trevor Zegras. That particular Twitter account mm-hmm. a week ago or two weeks ago mentioned that, hey, uh, let's not forget that there could be an offer sheet here on Trevor Zegras. He'd be my number one person to offer sheet. So I almost responded to that person saying, stop looking at all these website and Twitter accounts that pretend to be like giving you information because Trevor Zegras cannot be offer sheeted. Like, that's how slow it is when people go out of their way to try to find information from obscure sources that are wrong. Like, it just, I, so I spent about 20 minutes of my day yesterday figuring out, I'm like, could that be like Patrick Kane's situation or whatnot? And then I went on that, that timeline and I'm like, nope, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, um, beyond some of the arbitration and just outside of arbitration rulings that we've been discussing, um, a... Buffalo guy and a significant piece of the Amherst development the last couple of years, Sean Malone, is going overseas. He will be the only, at this moment, American-born player on SCL Tigers in the Swiss League. So that was um, expected based on the developments of the past month. And I think definitively, the moment the Amherst signed Mason Yops, they knew that there would be no more room for yes. Sean Malone. And it was simply a decision, and and we have gone through it, and we can show you again. I mean, the number of players that that the Amherst have already, like they're at least five lines deep right now with their forwards. And I say at least because you never know what else the, you know, just the whole, the trickle-down effect of, of what Sabres camp will bring and, and things like yes. that. And whether whether they replace, whether they go outside to replace Jack Quinn, which I think is unlikely. I think it's going to be an internal promotion there. But let's just say they grabbed somebody like Tatar, for instance, right? And and brought him in. Then once again, you would be pushing a, a Kulik or some, or Rusak back into that Rochester equation. And, and so the more you stare at what is Rochester's depth chart right now, there simply wasn't room for Sean Malone. But that in yeah. no way. And it's unfortunate away. because, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Bugsy, right? They call him Bugsy Malone. Uh, he, um, he's, M- been, Muggsy, he's been really good. Muggsy, yeah, Muggsy. He's been really good for the uh, for the Rochester Americans. He's been good for the locker room. He's been a great leader. Uh, he's a local product. Uh, so it, it's been a great fit. And just unfortunate, again, it's a numbers game. And right now the Sabres are a team that are about to break through up top, but also have a farm system to feed into it and they have to continue to develop. So you have to, uh, just a few spots for veterans and veterans that uh, have been around uh, for a, uh, a long time at the AHL. And Europe is usually the, the place for those players to go if they cannot find a place uh, in North America. And that's for Sean Malone. That's the place. And 
and I'm happy for him because the Swiss League is a great league. He may carve himself a really nice career in Europe for the next little bit here and play at a high level, maybe even play on, on Team USA in some of those international events, right? Uh, it's Bengler Cup and, and all of that. Like, would be really fun for him to, uh, to experience. Well, the nice thing for Sean, and we wish him the best, is he's on a two-year deal as well, which is, uh, you know, it's just, it's yeah. it's great at this stage for planning purposes and all the rest. And uh, I have to assume that at some point he'll cross paths with his former teammate, Artu Rutsalainen, and, uh, you know, they'll have a go at one another. But, uh, you know, those are, again, <laughs> those are just names that have been a significant part. And I was, honestly, even before the Malone news today, was just thinking about how, and it can get overlooked at times just how nice it is to see guys that have not just been good down there, but have been improving down there. And it just reminded me that a month from now, just over when things start really ramping up with prospects challenge and then the main camp, just to not dismiss any of the guys who are kind of on that bubble. That's all, yeah. you know, the, especially the, like the the older, if you will, the wise backs of the world, right? Just a little bit older, a little more mature, and and just and just see how they fit in all of this. So no, it's very important to be able to give players opportunities, and there might be an an opportunity with the plus of Jack Win, and we've talked about that. But I, I think Sean Malone, unfortunately, was beyond that point, right? Was beyond that point right. of saying you're going to get an opportunity in Buffalo. And that's that's good. That's just the way that it goes. I mean, a lot of players have have, have had that uh, happen in their career, and they uh, they make something out of it. And did, so it's the way it is. Did you have any good reverse headlines for us today? Something we joked about I off the air. It. I I did not check so much. Again, like I was dealing with uh, a couple of uh, um, maybe there would be car headlines like. Uh, uh dry oil caused engine light to go on uh that would have been a headline in my uh situation this morning but we're all we're all okay now well no it would be oil well runs dry after mcleod signing and oh, well that's, that could have been directly impacts biron is, is directly how that impacts would... <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so our reverse headline ideas are we're tired of seeing the obvious we'd like to see the truth so you had a wonderful off-air example yesterday of Sebastian Ajo after he gets contract, wants cup with Hurricanes. Oh, what was your headline? Yes. Uh, Ajo happy with the money, doesn't care about winning cups in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> like, See these? Ajo happy with contract, wants to win cup with Canes. Like, that's not news. It's like, not who news. doesn't want to win the cup with their team? I want somebody that comes out and says, Hey, I'm so happy. Eight years, 9.75 million. That's great for me and my family. And I'm not going to make more money if I win a cup or not. I just want to stay healthy. Just want to play my games and uh, let's go. Yes. And like Tarasenko, happy to join hungry senators. Well, it would be better if it was Vladdy just happy to go where complacency reigns. I'm glad he happy he got one offer, took it before it was off the table. <laughs> Brown, a perfect addition, says McDavid. That's that's too easy. That, yeah, that is very, very easy. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. No, he's imperfect. <laughs> McDavid says Brown, imperfect addition, probably won't help. Right? <laughs> like that, that would be outstanding. Brown, not a great player, but will fit us good. <laughs> Nicely under the cap. 
playing for the league yes. minimum, playing for free in Edmonton this year, as they say. Well, Although there's he does so have... many of those headlines that I think we could definitely pick apart and have fun with it. But again, I don't write articles, so I don't come up with headlines. I'm sure it's hard to come up with good, catchy headlines that represents an article at times. But yeah, just remember, the writer never writes the headlines. So, okay, which is true often. We, yes. we we've stalled long enough. It's August 2nd, and in our team focus from a Sabre standpoint and their opponents in alphabetical order, we did the A's yesterday, and only one B to talk about outside of Buffalo. It is team of the day, the Boston Bruins. One word. Exciting. I'm so excited about this. I know that people are angry, and Twitter reaction was like just, but I have great stories. I have great memories of playing the Boston Bruins. Um, oh, this is before please, we Please start. let the record state that Marty, it's like I'm at an arbitration here. Please let the record know, state I, that Marty Baron, in his career as a Sabre against Boston was 9-11-2. Marty, thank you for yeah. your service. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, I, not that I had a lot of success against Boston, especially in Boston, but I had great moments. But I have a great Rob Gronkowski story. That was when yeah. I was with the New York Rangers. Uh, but I also does it involve a, Jenner, Jennifer Aniston? No, it doesn't, and it involves Chris Newberry. Oh, okay. And the bee's knees. Have I ever told you about the bee's knees, Chris Newberry? Oh, oh I, anyway. I remember Chris. Pretty tough kid. Oh. Very tough kid. The guy got bees tattooed right below his knees because he is the bee's knees, and oh, that's my. literally like he was. He was a really fun character. But before oh, we start my. into the heavy of Boston Bruins and what's happened between the Sabres and the Bruins. Um, 2013 playoffs, Rangers, Boston, second round. Um, We are in Boston for game one and two, but there's two days in between. So after game one, Matt Gilroy says, hey, let's go uh, grab a drink or whatever. So I said, sure, I'll go because I wasn't playing. I was a backup. A couple of the extra guys, we all went. We got to this place and Rob Gronkowski is there. And Chris Newberry says, I'm going to meet Gronk. And we're like, you're not going to meet Gronk. Like, let him be. He's behind the red red cord, the red velvet rope. Like, he's alone. Let him be. He goes, no, no, no. I'm going to go talk to him. Chris Newberry gets up, and he goes on his way to Rob Gronkowski. And then all of a sudden, Gronkowski starts laughing. He thinks he's funny. He's laughing. He's slapping his hands down, grabs him around the shoulders, orders drinks, whatever. Newberry's looking at us. He's like, come on, guys, come on. We're like, no, 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 you're good. He comes back later. He goes, you guys, we're in, we're in. We're like, what did you say to him? And let's remember that Gronk is a like a specimen, right? He's like a big man, cut from Greek god bodies, culture, and all that. And Christenberry is like 5'10", 200. Like he's a little pudgy little guy, strong. But Christenberry went up to Rob Gronkowski and said, hey, uh, Gronk, just want you to know you and I are the same thing. And Gronk was like, what? He goes, you are, and I are the same thing. We are the same. We're both professional athletes. <laughs> <laughs> and Gronk looked at him like, dude, I think I can like, like fight you with one, two hands wrapped around my back. But he thought it was funny that this, this borderline minor leaguer was mm-hmm. comparing himself to Rob Gronkowski and uh, had a fun, a fun night. Then Chris Newberry took a picture on top of Rob, Gr- Rob Gronkowski's shoulders 
by Newberry Street, the street sign. Yeah, yeah. And he, so he took a picture standing on Gronk's shoulder by the Newberry sign because he's Chris Newberry. So, yeah, that was a late night picture action. How often did you shop on Newbury over the years in your time? In not Boston? often, not no. often. We used to like stay in the commons, went to the movie theater one time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one time, into- <laughs> 20 year career well, goes to the movies one time. <laughs> m- many times went to the movie theater in Boston. But I remember one time we, uh, uh, we ran into like four or five of us went to the restroom after the movie was over. Yep. And, uh, you know, our good friend, not so good friend, Milan Lucic was uh, oh, right there. At the urinal, so we thought about, you know, doing like they do in the movie, is pushing him against the urinal, flush the toilet so that he comes out and he's wet all over the place. But we didn't do that. Not that preceded the uh, the not, action of Lucic on Miller. So maybe not, if it had been after that, we would have done it. Not the Lucic story. Any of us were anticipating on this day, where the Bruins are the team of the day. But it's a good start, and you probably know this, Boston. Buffalo, pardon me, has played Boston more than any other opponent in their franchise history. And it's up to 312 times in regular season play, 45 times in postseason play. And there have been some absolutely incredible individual moments along the way and some team success, whether you choose to believe that or not, we will definitely hit on uh, some of those impressive moments in Sabres Bruins franchise history, but also maybe it's, maybe now's the time, not that we want to do this with every single team of the day, but maybe we do focus a little bit more on projecting ahead between these two based on what's to come this season. What we've talked about already, feel free to chime in at Sabres Live on Twitter. Sabres quarter season plans are now available, folks, and uh, this is a really nice opportunity for you to get to uh, whichever plan suits you best. Three different 11-game plans, and that includes a weekend plan, a weekday plan, or the all-star plan, where it's best opponents and matchups. So enjoy significant savings from box office pricing and priority for playoff tickets. So head to sabres.com slash tickets now to get in on the 11 gamers. We're back after this with Sabres Live, WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theatre in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Up to LaFontaine, he gets tripped up, gets it to May, and over the line, here's May going in on goal, he shoots, he scores! 
The great Rick Jenneret with the call on one of the greatest goals in Sabres franchise history. And yes, Boston is the team of focus, our team of the day today here on August 2nd. Can you feel it, Duffer? I have like my hair just stood right out on my arm right now, just watching it and hear it. The great RJ call on that one. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's why like when people on Twitter are like Lucic Miller, Lucic Miller, I'm like, come on, people. Let's be positive here. What about Mayday? That's the number one moment, in my opinion, between the Sabres and the Boston Bruins in their history. Well, it helped immediately erase the seven-game loss the year before to Boston, and it helped soften the blow from Brad Park a decade earlier, also a seven-game loss to the Bruins. And it was interesting because the Bruins won the division that year. They were 23 points better than the Sabres, and Buffalo entered the postseason on a seven-game losing streak, and they had lost the last four head-to-head meetings with the Bruins. However, they were a top-five offensive team in the league. Of course, it was 92-93, the year of 1450 goal scorers, the year of 76 goals from McGillney and Solani. So when the series began... This is the stuff that I want people to remember when it comes to Mayday and Buffalo and Boston was that there were so many heroes among this group very early on. And we just saw evidence of that in the overtime winners. And it started in the garden with a guy who was as much synonymous as, you know, a Bruin than he certainly was as a Sabre. And that was Bob Sweeney. And from that moment on against Andy Moog, I mean, you you could just feel it instantly. They would get a sterling performance from Grant Fuhr in game two, which was a shutout win. And then ultimately the series comes back home. And keep in mind, they had traded Dave Andrichuk already, but guys like Yuri Himalev and Bob Sweeney were stepping up. So they yep. get another overtime win in game three in front of all the fans at the odd. And man, this is the best part of it. And you and I have relived this a couple of years ago when we did rebroadcasts of uh, of the Sabres games. And, you know, the enthusiasm in LaFontaine's celebration, knowing they were now oh. on the cusp of winning a series for the first time in 10 years. That's kind of the big story, which was why RJ's call what it was, what it was, right? After yeah. the whole Mayday portion. And then you get to game four and you're down five to two in that game. And obviously it's looking like, oh boy, now the series is going to go back to Boston. But it didn't because after allowing a goal in his first shot, Hashik was perfect the rest of the way in relief of Grant Fuhrer. And you had a stunning third period comeback, two goals in less than a minute. And it all set up Mayday. I mean, Marty, when you when you see stuff like this, it just reminds you of what the whole team dynamic is all about, right? Oh, absolutely. And this is one of those, like, McGillney scored, and uh, was it uh, Himalev maybe got one too? But, yep. I mean, it just, it was, it was, the, the, the Sabres of that year, 93, was a special team. Um, you talk about them getting down, they're la- losing their last seven, but being able to overcome that and win four in a row and only only to lose to Montreal. Montreal was a team of destiny in 93, obviously with all their overtime win, but that was a fantastic year. The fans were into it. Uh, they had a lot of talent. And I remember playing Sega 93 high NHL on, you know, on, on the Sega whatnot. And, and it was like, the Sabres were good. They were great. You wanted the Sabres. They had all the skills and the tools. That's the team you wanted. So that's why I remember that team very well. Well, unfortunately, and I won't agree with you that Montreal was, I mean, I guess history would show that it ended up being a team of destiny, but it it could have easily been Buffalo. 
The Sabres won four times in seven days against the Bruins, three of them in overtime. They promptly turned around and lost four games in seven days to Montreal, three of them in overtime, and all of them by the same 4-3 score. So the margin for error was so small all the way through. And that's the frustrating part. And more frustrating is the fact that McGillney and LaFontaine were unavailable as that next series went on due to injury. And what's never to be forgotten in the history of late, great Dale Howarchuk is if you watch, look at game film, box score, whatever you want to do, his desire to lift and save that Sabre season in the second round, every single tying goal in that series against Montreal, where they were almost always behind, even though they were out shooting Montreal every game, while grossly outplayed Fuhrer, unfortunately, yeah. Howard Chuck either scored or set up every tying goal. And often it was two goals down. And it was uncanny that with only one real big marquee name, he was there every single time. It was it was, it was so sad when it ended because yeah. of the heroic effort by Dale. I told you people would be listening today. My friend Dave texts me and he says, hey, Fuhrer was hurt and Hasek would have beat them if they would have put Dom in that. Dom, so Dom, that never played a, Dom never played another minute in the playoffs after winning game yeah. four. And he's the only goalie to ever be on the ice for series clinching wins against the Bruins. He beat him in 99, the whole series. Yeah. And won game four. No other Buffalo goalie has beaten the Boston And he came in in relief in in game four because Fjord got pulled. They were down. And then Dom, like, made saves like Dom would. And the Sabres came back to have the mayday moment. But didn't play a minute against Montreal. Fjord was banged up. uh, And, you know, Mux just rolled with Fjord. That was his guy and never made the change. Yeah. So what stands out for you the more you talk about Buffalo and Boston? Well, first of all, it's the, you know, obviously the Adams division rivalry from the uh, 80s and, you know, the early 90s. Uh, that was that was big. Um, when I joined the Sabres, obviously my first full season, 99-2000, I got to experience that, that rivalry really quickly. Uh, there was always, I don't want to call them fights or scrums or whatever, but there was always an energy that was like you knew you were in for something that night. I remember skating down the ice one year and trying to get to John Graham, who was with the Boston Bruins back then. It's a good thing I never got to him because I think I would have gotten really hurt because John Graham was really tough. Um, But I remember a scoreless tie in the January of 2000. When people say, oh, my goodness, why did they change all of that? Like, we had a scoreless tie in 2000. Me and Byron Defoe. I made 39 save, by the way, Duffer, that, that game. Defoe only made 21, I think. Uh, but yeah, like how boring is that when you go to a game and go and get a scoreless tie? You go home 0-0, both teams at the end of the night. So that's why some things had to be changed. That's why three-on-three is in. That's why the shootout is in. But uh, I remember playing in that game in Boston, and that was my first scoreless tie in my career. I think I got two more, one against Ottawa and one against Pittsburgh. Uh, I imagine that three scoreless tie in my career. How boring is that? It adds to the total. They don't ask. <laughs> they don't ask how. They only ask how many. Did so you win? Got... How many goals did you give up today? Zero. Zero. Did you guys win? <laughs> nope. We didn't win. We tied. Like, come on. Like, that can't happen. Um, so that's one of my moments that I remember early in my career, my first full season to the Buffalo Sabres. Then let's fast forward to 2004. And this is interesting because... Um, Jeff Gilson, and people are going to say, why is this story starting with Jeff Gilson? But Jeff Gilson just got traded from Boston to Buffalo about a month before. We're in Boston. We, it's 2-2. 
We go to overtime. The time is clear. Like the time is down to nothing. There's 10 seconds in the game, and Boston comes in on a two-on-one. Nylander and Knubel against Jeff Gilson. Jeff Gilson still had a yellow Eastern hockey stick. Passes goes underneath Jeff Gilson's skate uh, from Nylander to uh, to Mike Knubel. Knubel scores, so it's a three-two overtime. It really didn't matter. You know why it didn't matter? Because we weren't fighting Boston for a playoff spot. We were fighting other teams, and we would never have gone up the ice and scored and gathered that second point. There was no shootout at the time, so a 2-2 tie or a 3-2 overtime loss was the same thing. But after the goal, and if you watch it on MSG, you see Jeff Jilson and me just sitting on the ice looking at each other. Jeff Jilson got up and was angry that he was the one beaten on the play, and he was his former teammates. He got up, and I'm still sitting on the, on the ice kind of looking around. He got up and then he took a full hack at the post and he broke his stick about like three inches above my head. It was oh, literally no. going to be the Keith Ballard, Thomas Volkun hit <laughs> to the head. Remember that one in Florida that Volkun got cut? Like yeah. I missed some games. Like that was years before that. And Jeff Jolson almost took my head off after allowing a pass across. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I'm yelling at him like, you almost killed me here. And he just skated off the ice. Jeff Jolson was a good guy, but he lost a little bit of uh, judgment on that on that specific uh, instance. There's so much history to get into. The most recent playoff one was 2010. The Sabres won game one. They won the division that year. They were the better team than Boston, allegedly, based on the regular season. And after winning game one, Thomas <laughs> Vanek was slashed by Johnny Boychuk in the first period oh. of game two. The series was forever altered. Buffalo would lose 5-3. They would lose 2-1. They would lose 3-2 in double overtime on Miro Stan's game four winner. This was a series-changing moment because Vanek was clearly Buffalo's most productive player. And as I yes. referenced earlier, he was dynamite against the Boston Bruins in the course of his career. Vanek would come back only in game six to get the final goal of the series, giving Buffalo a chance in the very last minute to salvage it. But what was stunning about this whole turn of events, Vanek injury notwithstanding, the Sabres blew two two-goal leads early in the series and lost two of the games when leading after two. They were 30 oh. and oh in the regular season when leading after two. There wasn't even an overtime loss, Blemish. They were yeah. perfect. And unfortunately, that's the last image that we have of Buffalo-Boston when it comes to the playoffs. And it's just so frustrating because I think, you know, for all, and you know I'm a huge Vanek fan, but there this was just another re-education for me his history against the Bruins all-time Sabres the point leaders are Perot and Rachuk and Vanek points mm -hmm. per game leaders Lafontaine Briere Tuck small sample Rene Robert Thomas Vanek how about this one for his lack of defensive acumen regardless of whether you like the stat or not plus minus in the history against the Bruins obviously Bill Height because he was like plus 40 every year of his career. Thomas Vanek, the best Buffalo forward, plus minus wise ever in Sabre history against the Bruins. Like there was just, yeah. um, he had his five point game in Boston in 2013. He just was there. And this was the arch rival and Van never shied from it. And I love it. It's just one more reason for me to love him. And, and there you go. And because you mentioned the uh, 19, 99 playoffs yes. where uh, Buffalo beat Boston. That was mm -hmm. round one, right? Mm -hmm. I believe it was. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit angry at the, and I, and look, I wanted the Sabres to beat Boston, but I, Oh, your whole Providence thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My whole Providence thing, because then all the players from Boston got sent down to Providence. They beat us in the, uh, uh, in the Calder Cup final, but you know, there was something. And from the early days of me playing against Providence and then playing against Boston. And then I remember we played them in the playoffs with the New York Rangers, the Rob Gronkowski story, mm-hmm. but like, I hated that team. Right. Hated that team. Even Claude Julien, who I like Claude Julien. Yes. Great guy. Yes. Like, when he was behind the bench in Boston, I'm like, Claude, I hate you. <laughs> you, you, like, I hate you. In New Jersey, Claude, you're a nice guy. In Montreal, Claude, you're a nice guy. In Boston, I hate you. Okay. Well, I have to say this, and you know how much I care about the history of this team. I feel like I've never uttered this sentence before when discussing individual heroics against Boston. Mm-hmm. John Tucker had the greatest two-game stretch of any Sabre player in playoff history, arguably. And it's hard to argue. They were down 2-0 in the series. On April 9th of 1988, Tucker scores four times. And we're not talking token goals, Marty. He scored the third, the fourth, and the fifth to break away from a 2-2 game that ended up being a 6-2 win. On the very next night, April 10th, Tucker would score five points, including the overtime winner in a 6-5 decision. So he had nine points, six goals, an OT winner over a two-day stretch to get Buffalo back in the series. And then Darren Pupa was not good in game five, and Tom Barrasso was not good in game six, and Barrasso's career was done as a Sabre. Now he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And it just never happened for Barrasso and Pupa as Sabres in the playoffs, but you can never take away the greatness of John Tucker on those back-to-back. A, we almost never see back-to-back games, right, in the playoffs. So it is truly one of the most unique, historic, individual accomplishments in Buffalo Sabres history. Absolutely. You can't deny those numbers. And when you look at the video, um, you're right. There there were big goals. And then he gets a breakaway just only to get stoned by Andy Moog with the glove. And then he gets awarded a penalty shot. So he comes back and beats him 5-0. You know, it's funny to think because that was Andy Moog against John Tucker. And then that was Andy Moog again in 93, right? Like he's been there quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would assume that Andy Moog, Reggie Lemlin, these guys played a ton of games against the Sabres in the Adams division back then. Uh, so yeah. Um, could we do a little sidebar here before we go to break real quick? Like when, when you think of the Boston Bruins and you think of the Boston garden or the TD garden, what's one thing that you think about? And I hope you pick the same one I think about, and it may be something that aggravated fans, people in Boston seem to love them. People around the NHL seem to think he was awful. Mm, That's the anthem singer. Rene Rancourt, the anthem singer in Boston, with his fist bump and his, you know, Wait. big like uh delivery and yeah. all that. Like well, look, he 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 could not hold a tune. I I I don't care <laughs> the guy, like it sounded like it was bad. He could not hold pitch, okay. a tune, whatever, but he was entertaining and but that I, was fun. Whenever he sang the anthem, that was fun. When you said going to Boston and being annoyed, the only thing I thought of was our broadcast location, which was three by three with a camera and a cameraman. And we had to sit on an edge oh, yeah. of plexiglass for the entirety of our on-air moments. <laughs> Trust me, yeah. we should have brought pillows 
all those years to make it a little bit more comfortable. And oh, like we may or may not have makeshift like wood yeah. wood shelf that you sit on the glass so you can sit on wood so it's a yeah, bench. Yeah. Yeah. I was I I actually had fun with that camera guy the one year as I displayed my camera um, ability Acumen. to move yeah, yeah. the camera around and uh, right. so and and look listen um, we all know hockey players like to play soccer get warmed up before the game right yeah. all that I got a great soccer story that in, that involves uh, Mr Jacobs Jeremy Jacobs scar uh, in the uh, in the back garage where you come up the ramp and whatnot. Uh, so maybe I'll tell that uh, when we come back. Just so okay. Well, up. we're gonna have thirty seconds when we come back. So stay with us at <laughs> Sabers Live. We're back with more of Sabers Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. All right, we're in the uh, home stretch here, Marty, on our uh, Bruins-themed day. That's not right. The team of the day that Buffalo takes advantage of is the Boston Bruins. That's the better understanding of it. And how did they wreck Mr. Jacobs' day in Boston? Well, you know, in Boston, when you pull up with the bus, with the visiting team, you go up the ramp, you go through a small, tiny little door. It feels like the bus is going to lose their mirrors every time. Then you pull up. But that's where also Mr. Jacobs' car come up so he can get out and go to the suite. So we were playing soccer one day. And we had to stop because the car came in. And hockey players are not great soccer players. Sometimes the ball goes where you don't want it to go. And then somebody kicked the ball, and it went like like 50 feet. I want to say maybe 30 feet left. And it hit Mr. Jacob's car like his black Mercedes. Boom, on the top of the hood. And just at that moment, the door opened, and Mr. Jacobs got out. And it literally felt like a movie, like the villain is getting out of the car as the soccer ball hit I went over to pick it up because I knew Mr. Jacobs. He lives down the street from me, Nitoro. But I, um, I felt like I needed to be the Good Samaritan there. All right. Um, oh, hang on. The Ducks have just tweeted that they have agreed on a seven-year contract with Troy Terry. Wow. So there you go. Thank you, Ducks, for doing it at twelve fifty-five, so we can announce it. So nice. What's the AAV though? That's going to be the thing. I bet it's going to be more than Tage. Yes. I bet it's going to be more than Tage. Marty, best to your parents on their anniversary. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. I'm Sabres Live. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. 
And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Elle King, The King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.